Welcome to the seventh episode of the What Happened Last Week in Kurdistan podcast. I am your host, I am Gilles Shouani, and as always, this podcast is based on the newsletter, What Happened Last Week in Kurdistan. If you'd like to subscribe to the newsletter, which is free, you can go to our Instagram, and, and there, from our bio, you can find the link to the newsletter. Today we're going to start off with some news from Rojava, we're going to go down to Bashur, Iraqi Kurdistan, and finally, after that, some international and non-region specific news but it's only one bit of news you know before really recording this episode a few days back i was thinking ha this episode is going to be a short one because things have been relatively calm and then america did what it did that we're going to talk about in the part about bashur iraqi kurdistan and things kind of just went uh yeah (laughs) anyways we're going to start off with rojava right now So, in Rojava, Turkish-backed militias torture disabled civilians. Turkish-backed militias are now turning towards the disabled. Mahmoud Hassan Osmani, aged 25, was abducted, tortured, and detained by forces after his capture in Serikania. He was said to have been tortured and attacked in front of his mother, and soul remains held. And if you go to the newsletter, you can read the entire story there. But, as I'm going to go through this episode, uh, there's a few things that have been really bothering me, especially considering how much the international media, especially the American media, has been uh, has been focusing on what Qasem Soleimani has been doing. And then we see things like this, which is similar to what Soleimani's forces have been doing, what Turkey's been doing has been similar to what Soleimani's forces have been doing, and we didn't hear a peep out of them. But, you know, such is politics. But let's move now to Bashur, to South Kurdistan, Iraq. So in Bashur, we're starting with a PUK conference. After almost seven years of delay, the PUK conference is finally over. Before we begin dissecting, it's important to know why this conference was so important in the first place. After the passing of PUK leader and former Iraqi president, Jalal Talabani, the splits within the party were more evident than ever. Major decisions and progression had halted due to the ongoing divisions, separations, and other splinters. You may ask, so what? The fact is, PUK still controls half of the region's military force, and based on the last two elections, it is the biggest party in the Green Zone, and the second biggest party in the Kurdistan region. With that out of the way, let's get into it. But just before I get into the nitty and gritty, I'm just going to explain what the Green Zone is for those who don't know. So, historically speaking, and when I say historically, I mean since 1992, perhaps going back a bit further, since the creation of the PUK, the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan Party, the Kurdistan region was sort of divided into two zones, the yellow zone and the green zone. The yellow and green are symbolic of the party's colors, which control those zones. So the yellow zone, being Hawler and Zaho and Duhok, is a party zone, or rather KDP zone. And the green zone is the zone in which the PUK holds holds most of the power in offices, and that is Slemani Koya and uh, parts of Kirkuk, although that after what happened in 2017 on October 16th, when the PUK was dubbed as traitors for giving up Kirkuk, Kirkuk's PUK voters were dismayed, and it's up for debate whether Kirkuk falls into the green zone or the yellow zone, when in actuality it's actually still not part of the Kurdistan region legally. Anyways, Getting into the results of the conference, a total of 121 out of 124 leadership council members were voted in. If you recall from our last episode, 
uh, three council members were automatically placed into the leadership council due to their high-ranking positions within the Kurdish and Iraqi government. Of the 121, the person with the highest votes was Lahur Talabani, who was said to have earned 902 votes from a total of just 1,000. Coming second was Bafal Talabani, the former president's son, with 791 votes. Beyond that, at least six former political bureau members decided not to join the leadership council and join the peerage crew, now named the political council, which is basically a group of semi-retired cadres, or cadres, cadres, that play an advisory role. Not a single candidate that had once left the party, be it for Goran or Barham Saleh's coalition for democracy and justice party, managed to win a seat. And as to what all of this means, well, in both first and second place are two cousins with military backgrounds that in particular don't get along that well with the KDP, especially after the events of October 16th of 2017 in Kirkuk, in which KDP lays blame on these two. And that's probably why Masoud Barzani never congratulated the party after their conference, but did so for the Islamic Union, and we're going to get to that in a second. This means that the party has almost unanimously voted for a stronger stance from within the party, as well as showing their disdain for the previous leadership. What now? Within this period, the leadership council will vote on electing a new leader, deputy, as well as role division within the leadership. So, as far as I can remember, KDP has been the stronger party, has been the more domineering party in KRT politics. Many of the foreign offices are held by the KDP. Uh, one that is more really important is the office of the ambassador to the United States, which is held by a KDP politician. So this could potentially mean that we're going to see a bit more balance in KRG politics if the PUK actually manages to regain some of their powers. Although when it comes to Kurdish politics, nothing is really guaranteed ever. So we'll just have to wait and see. Also happening in the Kurdistan region this week, the Islamic Union held their conference. Although not as impactful as the conference from the PUK, the Islamic Union held their conference this year in which Salahaddin Bahadin defeated rival Abu Bakr Karwani to retain the role of leadership for the seventh time. And to be fair, kudos to the Islamic Union. For a party that began in the 1990s, they've managed to hold almost five times as many conferences as the PUK has had. Moving on from all that political crap, let's talk about something that will make us all smile. It's Boycott Weekly. And this week, almost half a billion dollars of losses for Turkey. It seems we've finally gotten some official numbers on the boycott's impact. And so far, it's hit up to over $492 million. That's a big number, man. That's a big damn number. Or just under half a billion in losses for Turkey in three months from the Ibrahim Khalil border alone. And to make matters even worse for Turkey, during the 2018 New Year's holiday, plane tickets cost over $1,000. But this year they had gone down to $140 to $145, which is about an 86% decrease. And why is it so cheap? That's because travel has gone down by an average of 67%. That just, that makes your heart smile, man. That is some good-ass news. I swear, every week, this is my favorite part to report on every damn week. The Boycott Weekly. And, you know, to add on everything else that's happening in Turkey, this is just weakening them more and more. 
But yeah, let's move on from that news to some really morose and somber and sad news. Famous Kurdish actor passes away. Kurdish actor Asu Umar Suara has passed away at the age of 56, while he played many roles in various television shows, movies, and theatrical performances. He was arguably best known for his role in the hit drama Gardalul. Gardalul, for those who don't know, the word literally means uh, storm or uh, or uh, yeah, windstorm. I suppose that's the best. Uh, or you know the you know the thing that goes in circles. What's that called? God damn it! Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm remembering it in Arabic, but I can't remember it in English. Give me a second. Okay, I had to Google it, and I had to Google um, circular windy nature disaster. And uh, yeah, it's a hurricane. Yeah, that's what it means. But it's it wasn't about hurricanes. What it was about was the time in which Kurds in the KRG had to live under the Saddam regime. And it was a beautifully done series. And I remember when I was watching it as a kid, everyone, everyone was just obsessed about it. And hearing about his death is... Honestly, very sad. It was, uh, I we got the news when I was back in my parents' place, and we were all just shocked because he's young. He's only fifty-six years old, so may he rest in peace. And for for what it's worth, I want to thank him as much as possible for that beautiful, beautiful series he took part in. In uh, some other news, Kurdish writer Ferhat Pirbal gets booted off of Evin Asso's show on Net TV and files a case against her in retaliation whilst also starting a campaign of unliking her Facebook page. Again, for those who don't know, Farhat Pirbal is a controversial figure, although one that is very likable in Kurdish society. He's had some very public demonstrations of emotions, especially regarding what's happening in Rojava, and a lot of people like him, so I'm not. I wasn't really aware of the news until I read it on the newsletter. I don't know much about it, but it's really disheartening to see that someone as respected as Avin Asso, who's really paved the way for women in TV in Kurdistan, would kick him off his her show. And moving on, Shaswar Abdul Wahid, who was the president of the Nawainwe or New Generation Movement and political party in Kurdistan is said to be $4 million in debt for his Chaviland theme park. I heard it was like $10 million, like a, a really long time. I heard like he owes $10 million to some political figure, but it was never confirmed. But yeah, he's a businessman, and I don't know if this is a big sum of money for him or not, but yeah, he's he owes $4 million. All right, and finally, we're going to move on to the big news of the week, really the biggest news all over the world. By now, almost everyone that follows news knows about the events from a few days back, and I'm sure there will be more information on that in the What Happened Last Week newsletter. However, what we'll be discussing are the potential effects that the reactions may cause on the Kurdish region. In case you're still not sure what I'm talking about, it is the drone strikes that killed Qasem Soleimani and Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis right after New Year's. Both Prime Minister and President Barzani's, that would be Prime Minister Masrur Barzani and President Nishirvan Barzani, have officially been working on easing the situation within the region. The Prime Minister's conversation with Pompeo 
was all about de-escalation after the events whilst the president urged restraints. Without intending to bring fear into this, which really at this point is kind of hard not to, it is no hidden fact that a population of an estimated 16 million people live in the Kurdistan region in both Iran and Iraq. It was during the Iran-Iraq war that many Kurds suffered at the hands of both sides. During that period, Iran showed time and time again that it wasn't hesitant to attack the Kurdish regions. It was also during this period that the Anfal campaign, a genocidal campaign by Saddam Hussein against the Kurds, took place. An estimated 250 to 350,000 Kurds were killed in chemical attacks, in targeted massacres, in raising of Kurdish villages. In many, many different ways, Kurds were killed. And the symbol of that Anfal genocide was the city of Halabja, in which 5,000 people died in a matter of hours. 5,000 people in a few hours. The story from Halabja is really heartbreaking. And there's a photo in which a father is clinging onto his child, and they're both dead, having been killed by Saddam's chemical bombs. The stories go that the chemical bombs dropped early in the morning, and they smelt of apples green apples. Without realizing what's happening, Kurdish civilians in the city of Halabja inhaled those chemicals and started burning from the inside and the outside. It happened on March 16, 1988, and to this day it is one of the marquee events that define the Kurdish culture and Kurdish character. Reading the news in the past few days, it's been a little difficult not to be pessimistic about what might come. Because we've seen what a war in that region with Iran can do, not only against Kurds, but other civilians and other minorities and other populations. So to see that a repeat of such events might be imminent is, for lack of a better word, scary. I know for me it's it's a little odd for me to be speaking of this matter with such gravity, considering that I don't even live there. But again, this podcast aims to give a voice to Kurds in the Western nations. That's why we're speaking English and not Kurdish. We're trying to get the news out to Western countries, to Western peoples, to English-speaking peoples. So we can only hope, we can only hope that saner heads and calmer heads prevail, and a war can be avoided. Following the, the events of the airstrikes in which Soleimani died and Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis died, Western nations have warned their citizens to leave Iraq. This includes US, UK, Germany, Spain, Denmark, etc. One region, however, that is still considered safe is the Kurdish region. The U.S. is resuming its duties in the Erbil Consulate, the Hawler Consulate, while the U.K.'s travel advice isn't a total no-no for the Kurdistan region. So, as of the time of recording, the Kurdistan region is still safe. It's still stable, and we hope it continues that way. However, it is not unlikely that that changes very soon if that orange dumbass doesn't stop tweeting bullshit every fucking day. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy Suleimani's dead. That man 
was aptly called a terrorist. He was a terrorist. He committed atrocities and tragedies all over the Middle East. That man had a hand in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Iran. He was shaping the Middle East in a large way. However, America just going in there and doing whatever the fuck they want is not what the Middle East needs right now. Don't get me wrong. I think America should have a hand in policing that region. But American policing, when left to its own devices, when no one is checking up on them, can go awry really fast. I'm sorry for being so dramatic about this, but it is a very dramatic situation. It's a very grave situation. And let's just hope that calmer heads prevail at the end of all this. Moving on to some international and non-region specific news, also relating to what happened in Iraq. American Senator Marco Rubio calls for an independent Kurdistan in Iraq in a tweet. Many Kurds, myself included, reacted negatively to Rubio's call, seeing as it is using the Kurds as a chip with which to threaten Iraq and its neighbors. And this has been happening for so long, the Kurds get used as this bargaining chip. And we know our value as that chip is very high. But honestly, they're playing with lives here. And I suppose it doesn't really matter for them what they're playing with, but they're playing with lives here. I'm sorry that the end of the podcast is so somber, but we might be heading into a very dark time in the coming future. Although I hope this is just the internet and the media over-dramatizing and over-hyping something. And I still think that they are, but in case they're not, this could potentially be a second Iraq war. Anyways, anyways, anyways. I am sorry for depressing you guys so much. Uh, I'm just, again, it's the news. I can't help it. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. I am your host. I am Gilles Chouani. If you'd like to keep up with us, you can go to our Instagram, WHLW under dash And from there, you can find links to our pot, uh, to the podcast itself. You can find links to the newsletter. And you can also find links to our Patreon if you'd like to support us. Thank you this week for Rodi for donating to our Patreon. We really appreciate any sort of assistance and aid as this podcast and this newsletter is completely independent. Thank you again for listening. Happy New Year, everyone. And let's hope for the best in the coming days. See you again next week and have a great week.